Hello, and welcome to the World Dreamer Podcast, where we take popular stories and settings and turn them into tabletop RPGs. My name is Matt, and today we'll be delving into the world of Pokemon. Here we are. We got a couple friendly faces here with us, friendly, familiar faces. First up, we got Henry. Henry, how you doing? Good, how are you? Doing pretty good. And also with us, we got Mike. Mike, how's it going? I'm doing well, Matt. Thanks for having me on again. Hey, no problem, no problem. And what are we on to talk about, if not Pokemon? Pokemon, it's so good. I love Pokemon. Probably the best video game about cockfighting I have ever played. Yeah, name one other game about cockfighting that's as good as Pokemon. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I can think of where... I mean, Shenmue doesn't really have cockfighting, but you have to chase around chickens. But I'm, <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of Shenmue anyway, so whatever. What's everyone's level of experience with Pokemon? What, you, what y'all played? Ooh, I think all of them by now. Except for, like, Pokemon Snap. Oh, really? Um, I was a huge Pokemon nerd. It was a big phase I went through. I loved everything Pokemon. And I still do. It's a little bit more reserved now. Recent games weren't as exciting for me, I guess. Things tend to rein in as you go on with them. Yeah, I think it's a combination of Burnout and just other games I've been playing. Fair enough. Mike, what about you? I'm in a bit of the same place. I was super impressed when you were like, all of it. Because I started in 2000 what 2007 with pearl pokemon pearl with chimchar is my first starter oh hell yeah also started with chimchar hell yes fire type starters for the win personally oh fire type can't get over them little tired of the okay now it's gonna become bipedal and fire and fighting type but yeah they sort of broke that a little bit later on yeah now now it's bipedal and dark type and then they went right back to it and then we went crawling right back to it but for me it was i kept playing up until pokemon sun pokemon moon and i haven't finished pokemon sun because i was just just really unenthused by how easy it was. I think I'm in the exact same situation, except Pokemon Moon in this case. Right? Like, I... And I, I haven't played any since because, A, I'm offended with how they handled Sword and Shield, and also, like, I don't have a Switch, so... <laughs> I'm not. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my stand right here. I think Sword and Shield are just fine, and honestly, I've liked them a bit more than I have the past few Pokemon games that have been released. That's my my stance of the day. Damn, that's a hot take. It is, and I'm probably gonna get flayed for it, but you know what? <laughs> there are a lot of people on Twitter who would, uh, yeah. That's why I'm not on Twitter, and hopefully won't have to be. <laughs> I know plenty of people, well, I shouldn't say plenty, I know people that enjoy Sword and Shield, and like, if they enjoy Pokemon content, that's fine. I loved Omega Ruby when I played it, and beyond that, as soon as I started playing Sun and Moon, I was like, wow, it really doesn't take any ability beyond what I used to do, like, mashing attack moves. Like, I have such fond memories of getting my 
ass handed to me by Crasher Wake and like having like skin of the teeth battles with the Elite Four and the champion. I've lost like in black and white, I lost my first run against the Elite Four because they were simply too strong for me and I hadn't assembled a team that was type match well. I started playing Pokemon Sun Moon and even the the gym battles, I'm like, wow, this is and I get I totally understand it is a game marketed towards a younger audience. I just wish there was a balance, you know? Like with Mystery Dungeon, Mystery Dungeons were incredible for that because they're easy to jump into and they're super challenging if you choose to push it. I, I love that balance of it. Hell yeah. Although I think the, I played the Super Mystery Dungeon and I ended up breezing through the early dungeons because I somehow managed to get a level 30 plus pokemon as a <laughs> an assistant Damn. by doing like an outlaw quest Amazing. but i I, I would mostly agree with you like pmd to like sky and stuff were like super challenging and i think black and white had a hard mode did it i think so yeah and then in that hard mode they basically changed it so the ai was better or something and then they also had items and stuff that's interesting i need to replay black and white yeah hell yeah love those ones i i like those ones quite a bit too as for me, I cannot claim to have played all. I cannot make that claim. I started with Diamond. Unlike the other two, I tend to lean towards the water starters. Mm. I do have a few favorite fire starters. Of course, Cyndaquil. Cyndaquil is a uh, beautiful baby boy. Yeah, I played Diamond, Platinum, White, White 2, Omega Ruby, Sun and Moon, and then shield. I played a mystery dungeon. I cannot remember for the life of me which one, but I know I played a mystery dungeon. Mm. Is it the one with Shaman on the cover? No. Okay. No, it was before that. Oh, okay. So time or darkness, probably. Probably. Maybe. Unless he played blue or something. I read some mystery dungeon like manga they made actually. Like, when I was a kid, like, before I really understood what manga was, and I'm just like, this comic has to be read backwards. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the days in the library. The Pokemon Adventure mangas were sick, though. And I also played a game I think I might have been the only person to have ever played. Pokepark 2 Wonders Beyond. What? <laughs> I have very fond memories of Pokepark 2 Wonders Beyond, but I don't think anyone <laughs> else ever played the game because every time I bring it up, they're like, what? Huh? <laughs> I was not aware. Nah, I, I, I know what you're talking about. I uh, used to rent Pokepark 1 from the library every once in a while. Hell yeah. Those were the days. Did not know such a game existed. Very exciting, though. It was cute. It's like a collection of mini games. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it was essentially a collection of mini games and, like, try and befriend every Pokemon by doing specific tasks that they ask and building, essentially, like a Pokemon friend army. Huh. It was a cute little game. Through the power of friendship. You, yeah. Through the friendship, we can all go beat up Darkrai. Yeah, basically. And then make him our friend, <laughs> too. <laughs> Befriend everyone the game. Yeah. Normally, this would be the part where, you know, I'd kind of go in and ask, like, why do we think Pokemon should be a separate RPG? But Henry and I were just discussing this earlier. We've messed around with a Pokemon RPG that does exist. Two, in fact. Called Pokemon Unite. 
That was the title, right? Pokemon Tabletop Unit, yeah. And the other one was Pokathulu. Oh, right. <laughs> yes. Po- Pokathulu is fun. I think Pokathulu is a very fun game if you want to check it out. It's somewhat removed from Pokemon because it's very deliberately hybridizing it with the sort of Cthulhu mythos. But there are some fun mechanics in that. I highly recommend looking that up. You can install the PDF on drivethroughrpg.com. Ooh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. But Pokemon Tabletop Unite, Henry ran a campaign that I and a few other people were in. And I'll let you air anything you have to say first, Henry, because I... I definitely had at least one major issue with how it ran, but I'm curious if you, as the DM, had anything to say. Well, it's like running D&D, except everything takes twice as long, because you're controlling two people at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that was going to be my complaint, too. You had to stat out both your character... And all of your Pokemon. Ew. And they had separate initiatives. Ew. And combat took twice as long. Character creation took twice as long. Leveling up took a really long time. Especially because you were increasing stats every time you leveled up. Yeah, and there's also a lot of arbitrary rule sets and stuff, depending on, like, what kind of battle you're in, whether it's, like, a street battle or, like, a league battle or whatever. And I think there were, like, certain moves you couldn't use in an Elite Four or whatever. Really? Yeah. Also, your trainer, there were, like, 50 classes, and each character had, like, three to five different classes. And so navigating that was weird. Some of it was really funny, because some of them allowed your trainer to learn, like, Pokemon moves. Oh, yeah. Amazing. While it was funny that I could use Brick Chop and cut a superior in half, (laughs) it was really frustrating to navigate. I think especially where each character is essentially a team, I think trying to boil down either stats for your Pokemon or stats for your trainer is probably going to be smart here just so you're not overwhelmed with doing everything. Do either of you have like suggestions on how to like implement that in a good way? Which one you're leaning on simplifying more? Just what do you have to say about this issue in general i mean i think while it's probably the most unique aspect of the whole thing i think definitely simplifying down the trainer a lot would help out a lot in this case i agree it's really cool to teach your trainer aura moves but (laughs) is it really necessary sir aaron Especially because you can't actually use them in, like, a large majority of cases, unless you're fighting, like... Wild Pokemon? Yeah, wild Pokemon, like, Team Rocket or whatever. You can't really do that. Or if you're becoming a murder hobo in Pokemon or whatever. Well, the interesting thing about Pokemon is there are two vastly different manifestations of Pokemon that you can try and channel in a tabletop game. There is video game Pokemon, which is very strategic and stat heavy and crunchy beneath the covers because it's part of a video game you know a lot of background process can be done for you super strategic and everything and then there is tv slash movie pokemon which is oh screw if you have type effectiveness sure thunderbolt can knock out that onyx absolutely incoming home tell your pokemon to dodge it like do you want to use swords dance as an attack sure do whatever you want and i think that 
it's tricky because you want to have a balance that mixes, okay, I want there to be meaning to the choices I make when I'm leveling up my Pokemon and choosing their moves, but I also don't want to be bogged down, unless if it's someone who loves crunching games, I also don't want to be bogged down with... <laughs> I am going to take my attack stat and multiply it by five and then add the modifier based on stab and compare it with super effectiveness. Like, that's just not fun at that point a lot of time. Yeah, you need a calculator for that. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to have to agree with you there. Also, sorry to loop back around on this, but did they actually use sword stance as an attack in the anime? <laughs> I think they did at some point. I'm pretty sure they did. Huh. I know Tail Whip was an attack. I, I remember Tail Whip being an attack, yeah. But I definitely think your point about trying to, like, navigate which one am I going for is a good point. And I think maybe something that can alleviate that is, yeah, I'm just going to say... Cool as the idea was in Unite, I don't think your trainer should really have stats. Like, I think it should be more about the Pokemon than... Like, you can, like, come up with whatever fun backstory and, like, gimmick you want for your trainer, but I don't think they should be a very heavy focus of actual gameplay. Alternatively, you could ditch the trainer entirely and just control your Pokemon only, like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, to loop back around to that. Ooh. Take a Mystery Dungeon approach? I mean, it's it's a good idea because you you really have like that sort of premise where you're going through dungeons anyways as a dungeon crawler and tabletop. That's true. Something about the balance that you two have mentioned. There is a game called Lancer that, first of all, it's written brilliantly. Just the approach the authors took with Lancer is amazing and really a benchmark for, I think, modern TTRPG writing. If I may interrupt, mm -hmm. I'm very curious to see how you're going to tie this back, because if I recall correctly, Lancer is an RPG about giant mech fights. Yo. Mecha fights, right. So you have these moments of narrative action where it's as simple as a d20 roll you add your traits and if you exceed 10 you get a success to your action some actions are desperate and you need to get 20 to avoid consequences it's a little bit like blades in the dark and powered by the apocalypse so you have your relatively freeform moments of you're the, your person you're just moving around right but then you suit up in your mech for the special battles and it transitions into a very well-balanced mix of tactics and different customizability options without getting too crunchy. And I can, I don't want to talk about it just yet. I have been over the past couple months brewing my own Pokemon RPG, but I, I want to save that for the end. No, no, like, like feel free to throw that stuff in anyway. Should that's I jump in with that now? Yeah, that, that's, if you want to, because that's part of the reason I thought of bringing you on, because I'm like, oh, I know Mike is making a Pokemon-themed RPG. I'm curious to see, like, what went into his design process that, like, he especially wants to talk about, you know? Yeah, you can't just say about it and not talk about it. What the heck? <laughs>
I suppose I can't. So I'm going to compare and contrast. I think Lancer is a Paragon model for what could work for this type of thing, where you have like your trainer moments are the narrative moments. It's when you focus on zooming out and looking at the character to character interactions and not worrying so much about the gritty details. But then the nice thing about Pokemon is you have a very clear transition between, okay, trainer, 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 character stuff, and all right, let's get our Pokemon out. It's time to battle. When I went about making my Pokemon RPG, something that struck me about Lancer is in what I've experienced of it and how I've played it, it is pretty prep heavy. Not in a bad way, but just because everything is so customizable and modular and it rewards you looking thoughtfully into the tactical element as a DM, it can be prep heavy and that might be a little hard to account for. So when I started writing my Pokemon RPG. I'm calling it Pokemon Without Number because it is based off of a core system of, if anyone else has been listening to the other episodes I've been in, you've heard me gush about the Worlds Without Number system by Kevin Crawford. And what I'm doing with Worlds Without Number is it allows one to essentially work in a way that is pretty forgiving on preparation. So it's not like you have your character and then every time you level up, they gain a new ability and they gain a new ability and so on and so forth. It is you have your character, upon leveling up, they might gain extra skill levels, sure. There's skill detail there. They can take a partial class called the Pokemon Trainer Partial Class. And every once in a while, they'll be able to pick trainer arts like, ooh, trainer's intervention. Once per battle, you can have your, your Pokemon just like avoid a hit or hit if they had missed or something like that to simulate that TV element of, ah, dodge it, Pikachu. Ah, Pikachu, use Thunderbolt to make the, the metal rod beneath you move and ride the metal rod through the sky away from the, something like that, right? But then there's this element of Worlds Without Number focuses also on for NPC and monster stat blocks having very straightforward stat blocks. So instead of, you know, you calculate, ooh, if your attack equals this, then you will get this and this and this, and you'll multiply it like this, and this is the formula. I have it so that when your Pokemon evolves, or if you encounter this species of Pokemon in the wild, it will have, say, two levels in attack and one level in defense. The two levels in attack means its attacks, its physical attacks deal an extra d6 damage, and the one level in defense means it'll take two less damage, or something like that. And the goal is to streamline that sense of... The less players have to add numbers, the better. The fewer dice rolls you have to make, the faster the speed of the game, right? So the goal is to make it so that, and that's part of why I didn't have defense is like subtract 1d4. It's keeping it static so that we can maintain some of that streamlinedness. So the goal with this is you have the ability to, with the trainer arts, tap into some of the things that you might see in the Pokemon TV series, right? You can yell out for your Pokemon to dodge an attack. You can potentially intuitively understand your Pokemon. You can befriend Pokemon really easily or like be more effective in catching Pokemon. But then the goal is to streamline the approach to combat. So for example, another example is all Pokemon have an AC of 10. Boom. Done. Because in Pokemon, attacks have a fixed probability of hitting. An attack with 100% accuracy is going to have a plus five attack modifier, right? So you are going to hit with that. Naturally, we can't have it hit all of the time. 
in this particular iteration of Pokemon Tabletop RPG. What we can do is we can scale it so that a 100% accuracy attack is most likely going to hit a typical Pokemon. Now, a Pokemon that levels up speed or a trainer that takes arts that improve their Pokemon stats might be able to increase their Pokemon's AC. Like a trainer that has the Ace Trainer art might add their trainer's lead score to their, their lead skill, to their AC. And there are also moves in Pokemon that can, like, increase your defense and whatnot. And I imagine you could probably have, like, moves that's like, all right, my AC is a static 10 normally, but I have this move that if I need it, I can increase my AC to, like, 11 or 12 or something like that. Like double team or something. Exactly. And so the goal with that is to make it as streamlined as possible towards, let's focus in on not necessarily on the crunch, but it is the impact that the moves you choose have and the stat bonuses that you gain upon evolving you choose have and your arts. So the goal is to use that process to streamline, increase the value of customizing Pokemon without making it super clunky and crunchy, and hopefully just make it accessible for people. Yeah. Are you too familiar with Pokemon 5e? No. Pokemon 5e is an incredible feat from a Pokefan who just wanted to make Pokemon accessible through Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, right? And when I was thinking about making a Pokemon RPG, I had to ask myself, why don't I just play Pokemon 5e? And what I was finding was they had a lot of extra rules on like, Beyond Pokemon level, each Pokemon has a species rank, so some species are just naturally more powerful than others, and each Pokemon has their own strength and dexterity and such and such and such and all this, and, like, there are very precise, like, calculations involving multiplication and decimal multiplication for, like, if you're trying to capture a Pokemon. Oh, God. There are no two words that can turn me off an RPG, like decimal multiplication. <laughs> like, mad. Right. So it's the type of thing that rewards player investment in crunch, but it was just the type of thing that felt too crunchy to me. And that is why I chose Worlds Without Number, which is a simpler system. Although if I were to make something from scratch, I'd want to make it in a Lancer-esque system because, again, I think it's brilliant and I think it works really well. But point is, I think it does a really good job of illustrating, like, there is a really delicate balance that a person has to walk when they are designing something for Pokemon of, okay, this this is based in a video game, which has like super complex fractional multiplication division for determining how much damage an attack does with two level 20 Pokemon, right? So it's that balance between how do I reward players for like, oh, you caught a powerful Pokemon. Ooh, you trained this Pokemon to the max level. You invested in these stats without bogging it down. And while allowing for that wonderful, youthful, like silly at plenty of times spirit that you find in the anime. Yeah, everything you've been saying has been great, great points, and I think you did a good job of emphasizing streamlining while still keeping complexity in gameplay with, like, moves being able to change your stats and also the idea of, like, weaknesses and whatnot. Because, like, you can just kind of translate that over from the game and just sort of make it something akin to the sort of, like, weakness and resistance system in Dungeons & Dragons. And something I wanted to propose that could sort of make 
sense here while also sort of leaving the option open if you wanted to try and do like a mystery dungeon style thing like Henry was talking about. Because I was also going to say, I feel like for combat in this movement is probably not that important. Right. I don't think we really need to worry about movement. I think it'll be a thing where it's like, we can assume you can get close enough to your opponent to do what you need to do. But I was going to say, what if your turn was sort of, you had like your Pokemon's action, you know, probably using a move of some manner and your other, like what would be bonus action or whatnot is instead like a support action. And you could use that to represent like a trainer who could like work with like items or use the trainer arts that you were talking about or if you want to do a mystery dungeon style thing it could be like another pokemon like the kind of assistance you have in that game that could use like maybe a smaller damaging move or some other assist action as a way to sort of make it accessible that hey if you want to do either one you could yeah that works really well actually i love that idea of centralizing the pokemon and then oh that's so perfect with the bonus actions like hey trainer heal me (laughs) like that's awesome yeah i think it would make sense here to have your action sort of spread between like your team also another thing i wanted to say about pokemon tabletop unite henry am i remembering wrong in assuming that when you caught a wild pokemon you also had to like stat out yourself that pokemon no you're you remembering correctly that process was really a pain yeah I think if you catch a wild Pokemon while having the ability to stat it out yourself is good for, like, team balance and whatnot, I think having it mostly stat it out instead and maybe only having, like, a bit of customization once you catch it. Because, like, in the game, it's not like you're going in and statting out the wild Pokemon you've caught. It's just, like, it is what it is. Right, but the problem with that is it pushes the responsibility onto the DM to stat out every single wild Pokemon instead. Right. That is true. And with Pokemon, there's, like, a god-awful amount of just different Pokemon that exist. Yeah. Maybe you could have, like, some baseline templates where it's like, here are some good stats for, like, a lower-level fast Pokemon or a higher-level fast Pokemon or a tankier Pokemon or, or whatnot. Just some, like, base things that's like, I can slap this template on here so that I'm not having to go in and individually statting out all these random fuckers that they might not even catch. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're probably not gonna bother to try and catch this Dunsparce. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> I guess you never know. Yeah. If you're a big fan of, of Dunsparce, DM me on Instagram or send an email <laughs> to the email in the description below. Dunsparce gang, rise up. Yeah, I can speak. Uh, <laughs> don't try and stat out each individual Pokemon. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's also nice is I think gyms for like a regular Pokemon thing and like like Henry was saying, dungeons for mystery will also give opportunities to, like, you know, have puzzles that you kind of have to solve instead of combat. And I think you could also almost translate the way combat is run over to, like, other things that are included in Pokemon, like the fashion shows and whatnot, because I always thought those were fun and cute, and I want people to be able to do those. Yeah, there's so many options, and, like, it's tricky, again, where if you're making a Pokemon game, you don't want to have so much mechanical rigor that you are stuck in okay like how do we get to the next battle like pokemon is a world it's a setting it's not just a type of battle 
And I can speak personally to the pain of statting out each individual Pokemon. Like, eventually you get to the point as a designer where it's just like, okay, if they have an attack stat between this and this, give them this die value. Moving on! <laughs> I believe Henry can probably also speak to that pain. Oh, boy. I... I'm just never going to run it again. <laughs> it's a shame because I had fun with that, but I could tell like it was taking a toll on us and it was taking more of a toll on you. Yeah, because there's, there's so many things that the, the DM has to do that in a normal Pokemon game, it's just automatically done by a computer, like instantly. It's just not fun. What'll also be nice is, in theory, you don't have to worry about random encounters. Another thing I happen to like about Pokemon Sword and Shield. Mm, oh yeah, the wild areas and stuff? I don't know, I thought the wild areas were cool. I liked that you could run around and see all the Pokemon and pick which one to fight. And I really liked that there were Pokemon there that were like way above your level. Like, when you get to the first wild area, there's like an Onix right in front of you. And my ape brain was like, <laughs> oh, I want to go get that. And it's like three times your level and it like demolishes you that's hilarious yeah i mean pokemon sword and shield had a lot of good ideas like the wild area and the, the raid battles which would be fun to implement in a tabletop game if you really wanted to oh yeah yeah i could see the raid battles being fun you could also probably if you wanted throw in weird mechanics for like mega evolutions or like the z moves or giga gig giant Gigantamax, that's what that's called. Yeah, or you could just ignore Gigantamax. Yeah, <laughs> or you could ignore all of those. Those can be variant rules if you really, really want them. Anybody else have anything they want to throw out there? I think I've spoken my part for the most part. I'm curious, do y'all have favorite Pokemon movies? Pokemon movies. Ooh, movies. Well, I mean, I own, what was it, the Pokemon Ranger movie? I think it was like the, the Temple at Sea or something like that. It's the one with Manaphy in it, basically. Mm. Oh, right. I remember that. Yeah. So I guess I have a bias towards that. I think we watched that at your house once. Probably. I mean, I... It's, it's just sitting there. I used to rent a lot of the Pokemon movies from the local library. However, I think my favorite one is actually the one I own. Probably own because I loved it so much. Lucario and the Mystery of Mew. Yes, same. Oh, that one was good. I always loved Lucario and the Mystery of Mew. Such a great one. Destiny Deoxys was also really cool. Is that the one where he fought Rayquaza? Yeah, and the city's like turning against them at the end. That's the thing is like... Pokemon is such a fascinating, like, futurism, in a sense, because, like, they do showcase a human civilization that has, like, had some sort of renaissance where it doesn't look like there are any wars anymore and technology is being used to its greatest potential. That's the other thing, like, it's just an intriguing world. And the equivalent of terrorism is just some dudes sometimes kidnap Pokemon. Right. Although, I guess some of the other teams later try more high-profile shit. Yeah. Yeah, didn't Team uh, Plasma bomb a marsh or something like that? Team Plasma did a lot of shit. <laughs> what was Team Galactic's whole gimmick again? Weren't they trying to, like, fuse reality with, like, space or something like that? I think they were trying to create a new reality or something. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, and then there's Team Riot, who are, are just big fanboys. <laughs> <laughs> Such personality. Yeah. Can't say I fully blame them, though. I thought... Of the three rivals that game gave you for some reason, Marnie was easily my favorite. Thank you both so much for joining me this was a lot of fun hey mike yes now i know we said last time <laughs> but 
fourth time's the charm? Fourth time's the charm. Hopefully, at the time of you hearing this, you will be able to access the first episode, at least, of The Dice Made Me Do It, where we use, hey, the world's without number system in a, frankly, our DM is a brilliant creative world builder, and it would be super exciting to have you listening to The Dice Made Me Do It. Hopefully crossing our fingers we'll have it ready for you by then well this won't come out for like a month so you'll have plenty of time hell yes henry do you you have anything you'd like to say just generally i'm not sure if you have anything to plug but no not particularly but i'm quite interested in this uh adventure you're planning out yeah the dice made me do it Isn't it fun? And our pitch is we're pretty narrative-based, and we're doing two different sets of protagonists across two different continents where naturally they will collide at some point. But thats I don't think that's very spoiler. I think that could be ordained from the format we have from initial episodes. But it's been very exciting working with these gentlemen. So very excited to share with people. That's cool. That's a cool concept. I'd like to do a live play series someday. I, I may. I'm, I've been on, I was on a Moth Company episode once. That was fun. But yeah, who knows? Maybe I'll do a live play series one day. We'll see. It's in the works. Yep, I'll make that claim. I'll claim it's in the works. Whether or not I'm lying is up to you. Call me, Matt. <laughs> do it and then call me. I will. I will. Well, once again, thank you both so much and uh, gotta catch them all. Smell you later. Pokemon. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you enjoyed it, please continue following us on the platform of your choice and recommend the podcast to other people you know. In addition, consider following us on Instagram at the.world.dreamer. If you have a suggestion for an episode you'd like to see, DM me on Instagram or send an email to the email in the description below. This has been Matt, and I hope you have a good day.